All right, good morning. How are you? You doing good today? You doing okay? Yeah, last weekend of summer, right? Which means we can have snow next weekend, right? Okay, I'm kind of ready for the fall. I'm just gonna tell you, I'm ready for a little fall weather, ready for the trees to start turning. Good to have football back on TV, right? Come on, that was a good day yesterday. I enjoy Saturdays and Sundays, just having a little football, a little fall weather, and I'm glad. Good to be in Colorado. Can we just thank the Lord that the Lord brought us here, right? I can't think of very many places that are better than Colorado in September. So thank the Lord that he loves you enough that you maybe, probably most of you weren't born here like I was. I was not born here, but I got here as soon as I could, right? So thank you, all of, all of us immigrants who've come to Colorado. So good to be here. All right, turn in your Bible to Nehemiah. While you're turning there, I want to remind you that every Wednesday we set aside the entire day to, as a day of prayer at our church. We are a praying congregation, and I'd love for you to make that a part of your routine. So at 6.30 or 7.30 in the morning, uh, noon, 6.30 in the evening, we have prayer every Wednesday. In fact, throughout the day, the World Prayer Center is set aside that day to people to come and go as you want. Come in and pray together. There's always a handful of people in there praying, worshiping. Let, let's make that a part of your rhythm. I promise you, your family will be better off, you will be better off, the city will be better off when we gather to pray together. So come be a part of those. I wanna invite you to be, be there. Okay, Nehemiah chapter four. Go to the Psalms, take a left. If you go to Ezra, you've gone too far. You got there, Nehemiah four. We're in a series talking about this powerful story. Nehemiah had never been to the city of Jerusalem until he was called there. He was called to go back to a city that was in ruins, had been destroyed by foreign armies, and the people who were living there were in great danger. And the Bible says when he heard about this, that he sat and wept for several days. So God obviously moved in him, did something remarkable inside of him for him to leave a very cush position. He was the cupbearer to the king, living in what we would call modern day Iran. And he went to Jerusalem, which was about a thousand miles away. It's a long, pretty good trip. And he shows up there and sure enough, it's probably worse than he thought. I mean, the, the walls are a mess. The gates are all been burned out. People were being robbed and molested. It was awful, it was an awful situation. But by God's grace, he told the city, he said, listen, I have the money, I have the timber, we, we, we can do this if we do it together. And to his surprise, hundreds if not thousands of people decided to work alongside him and rebuild the city. Now why is this story important for us? Here we are, it's three, like 3,000 years ago. Because I believe we're living in a similar time where the world around us is crumbled, it's been burned, it's broken, it's messy. And I'm, I'm preaching through the book of Nehemiah not to teach you Bible lessons. That I have no interest in just being a, like a little Sunday school Bible lesson here for you. What I'm here today to tell you is that you are called. You have an assignment. I don't think any one of us can fix the world's greatest problems. Let's just admit that, right? Say amen if you alone can fix, cannot fix all the world's problems, right? It's good to admit that. But together, we can do something. And that's all Nehemiah was telling his people, said, listen, you can't go out 
and solve world poverty. You can't make all the wars stop. You can't cure all the diseases. You can't fix all the marriages. You can't go out and get all the prodigals. However, if you will put your hand to the plow, if you'll make up your mind that you have a call of God on your life and you'll join forces with another group of people, collectively, together, we can rebuild our city, by the way, and we are. I don't know if you know this, but over the summer, we purchased uh, six acres of land near America, the beautiful park, right there in the middle of our city. Uh, it's got several buildings on it. We closed on it over the summer. That's an expansion of our Dream Center. So we have Mary's home, we have an apartment complex. We have, a, in fact, if you've never been down there, take a drive down there in the next few weeks and look at all that God's done there at Mary's home. We have multiple properties that have all been paid for in cash. We've built new buildings down there. We have a community center down there. We have a place that these women and their children are getting day-to-day -day care down there. We have a state-of-the-art medical center that's been open for 11 years. 11 and 12,000 of the poorest women in our city are getting state-of-the-art professional care absolutely free every single day at our women's clinic. That's God doing something among us. And what I love about all of that is not one person doing it. It's hundreds. There's just 35 churches in our city who partnered with us. Did y'all know that? 35 other churches who have come alongside and said, hey, we see what God's doing. We want to help. And they send volunteers, they give money. This is a citywide effort to see the people who are, who are the most vulnerable in our city are being helped. That's the story of Nehemiah. We're seeing Nehemiah play out right in front of us. So okay, Nehemiah 4, before I get too distracted here by all the good things going on, I want to read this story to you. Nehemiah 4, verse 15, it says, When our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, listen to this, each to his work. Every one of us has work, an assignment. And it says, from that day on, half of my servants worked on construction and half held the spears, the shields, the bows, and the coats of mail, which is armor. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building on the wall. And this is one of my favorite passages. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And I'll just stop here just for a moment. This is who you are today in 2022. You have work and you have an enemy. Is that true? Let's just let me ask you a question. Do you feel like you have an assignment from God? As long as you're carrying breath in your lungs, we have an assignment, right? We have an assignment and we have an enemy which requires of us two things, a tool and a weapon. In other words, both hands have to be used, working with one hand, fighting the good fight with the other. This is a beautiful word picture from Nehemiah about modern day life right now for us. He says they work with one hand, held his weapon with the other, and I love this, and each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he built. This is an amazing picture for all of us, all the praying mamas in the room. You know what it means to do the mundane, ordinary work. Dads, go, you know what this feels like to go do your job every day. J-O-B, just over broke, that's what it means. Going out, doing your job, and it's not glorious, not glamorous. I was thinking the other day about 85% of my job is not glamorous at all.
And the 15% that you think is glamorous is actually really hard work. And, and so all of us have these mundane, ordinary assignments, but we're in a fight at the same time. We're in a spiritual battle. So it requires us to do the ordinary and it requires us to do the extraordinary all at once. And it says, Nehemiah found himself in that beautiful tension, that beautiful balance of working and fighting, fighting and working, but they saw the wall being rebuilt. All right, let me just give you a couple of things. And I've already said these things to you many times. I think seven or eight times I've already said this to you, but I'm, I'm saying it again because I want you to remember it, okay? Our work will always be opposed by an enemy. So we see this in the Bible, right? From Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation, that wherever God's people were busy doing kingdom work, there was an assignment from the enemy to destroy them, to distract them, to discourage them, to disparage their character. We've seen all of that so far in the book of Nehemiah. So it's clear that we'll have opposition to anything we try to do for God. In fact, if you're not in any kind of spiritual battle for a really long time, it's probably because you're on the sidelines and not in the game. And so it's time, there are no bleachers on earth. There's only a playing field. And God's calling us back into the middle of the playing field for our assignment. So it's clear that this opposition is present today. I don't know if you keep up with current events, but there is spiritual opposition to the church. There's spiritual opposition to God's people. There's certainly spiritual opposition to God's view of sexuality, God's view of marriage, God's view of money, God's view of power, God's view of servanthood. All of that is being radically opposed right now, and this should not surprise any of us because we're in the middle of a great battle, but we serve a great God. So let's not be alarmed by that. All right, now here's what I want to show you today, okay? Nehemiah was facing real physical enemies, and in that moment, he needed real physical weapons to fight off the people that were physically trying to oppose the rebuilding of the wall. I don't believe that most of us in the room have physical enemies who are trying to physically harm you. That might be true for a few of us. But our real enemy is, is a spiritual enemy. An enemy that wants to come in and do work inside of our hearts and minds to discourage us, to distract us, to knock us off center. That's the work of the enemy in 2022 in most of our lives. So I wanna show you today using the story of Nehemiah, that our weapons are different. We have weapons. I am surprised at how few people who call themselves Christ followers can tell me what spiritual weapons they're using. So let me ask you a question. Maybe you want to write them down. There'll be a little pop quiz at the end. You don't have to say them out loud right now. What are your weapons? So if you're in a spiritual fight, and I don't know if you've been raising children in the last 20 years like Pam and I have. We've been raising kids for the last 23 years. And we're still raising them, by the way. That is the greatest spiritual battle Pam and I have ever done. Pastoring the church has been certainly a great spiritual battle, but not anything like raising our children. And if you're a parent today, you know what I'm talking about. And there are unprecedented issues facing our schools and our kids today that require parents to be discerning and wise and bold and, and, and powerful more than any other time that I can remember. I am I'm very concerned for all the young families in our church today. 
So young moms and dads, maybe you're just starting your family. Maybe you got littles running around the room. Maybe you're up at 6 a.m. every single day with your kids. I understand that. I remember when I had that time, I thought that, that season would never end. On my day off, Abram was notorious. 6 a.m., Dad, Dad, I'm hungry. Come feed me. <laughs> on my day off, and I thought, Lord, this, this boy needs to grow up and learn to cook on his own. And the days were long, but the years were short. Sure enough, here we are. He's 23 years old. When I woke up this morning, I came downstairs. There he was, eating breakfast at my house, 7 a.m. But he didn't wake me up, thank God. So it does change. So I'm gonna give you today some spiritual weapons. If, you're, if you know for a fact that you're in a fight for your marriage, for your home, for your family, for your own soul maybe, maybe you're wrestling with an addiction today. Maybe you're wrestling with something that's entangled you and ensnared you. I'm going to give you today the most powerful weapons that are available to the human race today. But let me show this to you in 2 Corinthians. The first thing you need to know about these weapons. For though we walk in the flesh, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. Leave that up. In other words, when the world yells at you, we don't yell back. We have different weapons. When they shame you, we don't return shame for shame, anger for anger, violence for violence. That's the world's way of doing war. That's the way they're trying to get to us. Our weapons are completely different. I'm gonna show this to you, okay? It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. So what is the flesh? Anger, rage, malice, lust. That's, that's the works of the flesh in our lives, right? Our weapons are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. Now leave that up for a moment, because that word stronghold is not talking about physical places that the enemy lives, okay? It's not talking about going and destroying something. The strongholds that he's talking about are internal. All spiritual battles, listen very carefully, this is really helpful to me when I learned this 25 years ago. The greatest spiritual fight that I fight is the fight for my own mind, my own thinking, my own desires. When I win that war, all the other wars are easy. In other words, the greatest enemy that I have that I have to fight against is not the devil. He's already been defeated. It's my flesh. Come on, somebody, that would be getting really quiet in here at that point. <laughs> Listen, the devil's been defeated. My flesh needs to be brought under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. The devil's been defeated. The cross decided that. The grave, the empty tomb has already decided his fate. Now, we've been given the spiritual power by the Holy Spirit to wrestle to the ground the desires of our own flesh. In other words, if Christians would just start acting like Christ, the world would be a better place. Right? That's all, God, that's all the world's been looking for, by the way. You know the why the church gets attacked so much? It's not because we're righteous, holy, and pure, and they hate us because of it. It's because we, say, we tell people we're following Jesus, but they don't see Jesus. If we're going to tell people that we're following Jesus, we should look like Jesus. So the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds, and the strongholds are here and here. That's where the strongholds are. In other words, let's not try to fix the world until we fix ourselves. 
This is where we're getting it wrong. We're trying to fix everything out there while remaining broken in here. I want to get this here fixed first so that we can take something glorious out there and fix that. Because this is what Paul is talking about here. Okay, look at verse, verse 5. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take what? Every thought captive to obey Christ. This is what I'm telling you. This is where it starts. It, it's stinking thinking that's hurting the world. If we can fix the way we're thinking, the what we're feeling, if we can fix the desires of our own heart, then we have a powerful presence to take out into the world. He says, being ready to punish every disobedience. All right, let me ask you a question. Where do you decide to disobey? Here. You make that decision way before you actually disobey. You make this decision to disobey. It doesn't just happen like that. You make, in other words, there's a thousand micro decisions that lead to one bad big decision. Every single day, small, tiny decisions. I told someone this week that I don't have like a 24, I don't have like a five-year plan. I have a 12-hour plan to finish the day well. And I'm going to be in bed in about 12 hours. Probably about 9.45 tonight, I'm going to be uh, vertical. Hor no, horizontal, that's it. <laughs> which, is the one where you're, which is the one where you're laying down? That's it, that's the one. I just want, see, I'm already messing up. See, I've already got this messed up. When I am horizontal, I want to finish the day well. So being ready to punish every disobedience when our disobedience is complete. All right, so how do we do that? Thank you, Pastor Brady, for bringing up the fact that I'm a broken mess. Thank you for making me feel terrible about the way I'm thinking. Tell me, give me some solutions. All right, here it is. I'm going to give you three weapons today. All right, yesterday, on a Saturday, I used all three of these weapons yesterday because I found myself, there's a little issue going on with me and a, a person that I know and love very well, and I'm, I'm helping this person. It's not my issue, it's their issue, but I found myself in the middle of it trying to help. And I, I, I used all three of these weapons yesterday, effectively. And I'm telling you what the weapons I'm about to give you, if you'll learn to put the right weapons in your hand. See, a lot of you want to fight, you just don't have the right weapons. You got plenty of fight in your heart, just the wrong weapons in your hands. Church, I'm trying to give you the right weapons to fight the right battles against the right enemies in order to get the right results. Are you catching this today? All right, so these three weapons I was using yesterday, I'll probably use them today. Number one, our worship is our weapon. What do you mean by that? Let me show this to you. Revelation, we're gonna, we're gonna look in the book of Revelation now for the next five, 10 minutes. Revelation chapter four, in the center around the throne were four living creatures and they were covered with eyes. So these are obviously mothers. They have eyes everywhere. That's a good joke, by the way. That's a great pastor joke. <laughs> they were covered with eyes in the front and in the back. That's why you know they're moms. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had to face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. These are fierce creatures. Around the throne, this is John, this is John out on an island getting a picture of heaven. Each of the four living creatures had six wings, was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. So these are not passive, timid little creatures. Would you agree with that? 
What, what John saw in heaven was not little sweet cherubims with their little arrows trying to make people fall in love with each other. That's not what he saw. They weren't eating grapes floating on clouds. These are fierce, warlike creatures in heaven. Would you agree with that? This is pretty, you think that's fair imagery to say that. Listen to what they were doing. In other words, they had physical ability to do physical fights. But what were these fierce, warlike creatures doing? They were worshiping. You catch this now, I want you to catch this. These fierce, warlike creatures who had physical ability to do harm were not acting out in their flesh. Instead, day and night, they never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty who was and is and is to come. Say it with me. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty who was and is and is to come. Listen, this is what's going on in heaven at this very moment. Whenever you feel a little timid, a little weak, maybe anxious or afraid, I want you to remind yourself of what's going on in heaven at this very moment. There is a glorious throne in heaven, and I believe these creatures are still encircling the throne, and they are still calling out, holy, holy, holy. And so when I find myself feeling alone or frightened or anxious, I just join in with them. I just gather into their presence with them. That's what worship does to me. I know when I'm worshiping well, when I'm caught up in the activity of heaven, I'm caught up with them. And maybe I don't know how to fix all the problems in the world, but I do know who to call on the one who can. And I hear myself saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why do we worship? We worship because we're certain that we're in the presence of God. Listen, I don't know how many of you can live long without the presence of God. I can't live very long without it. I can't go long without being in the presence of God. And the way you get into the presence of God, you gotta slow down. You gotta take a deep breath. You gotta stop all the frantic activity. You gotta get quiet, steady your soul. And this is what happens in worship and failure to worship. Listen, failure to worship leaves us at the mercy of the world's whims and fears. Without worship, you will live a manipulated life. If you're not worshiping, if you're not calling on the Lord, you'll find yourselves being manipulated by outside forces, believing every conspiracy theory, being angry and afraid all the time, aggravated at everything. I'm not gonna live like that. Even if I'm concerned, I'm not going to let myself be manipulated by some pundit on a TV show. I have something more powerful that's in control of me. And I'm going to allow the presence of God to wash over me, to sweep over me, to, to consume me, so that when I see those things in the world that are broken and messy, I can respond to them in a godly way. So it's not putting my head in the sand. It's not ignoring the issues of the day. It's responding to those issues in a way that glorifies Jesus and actually brings a solution to the problem. Are you catching this today? This is what the world needs from us. The world doesn't need a bunch of angry Christians yelling and screaming. The world needs a bunch of worshiping Christ followers that bring real power into a setting. 
Think about tens of thousands of spirit-filled worshipers who are full of wisdom and power and grace coming into those unsettled places in the culture. How would that change things? It would radically change things. And worship steadies us. It gives us purpose. It gives us direction. Listen to this, day and night, they never stop. Day and night, day and night, night and day, never stops. In other words, listen, every second of your life is covered in his presence. When I read that, I'm actually very comforted. When I lay down at night, you know, it takes a lot of faith to go to sleep right now. <laughs> There's a lot of broken stuff out there. What happens, what's, I mean, think about how much faith it takes to turn your lights off and go to sleep for seven or eight hours. You can't fix anything. Who's in charge if you're not awake? Who's gonna correct all the shenanigans if we're not awake correcting it? See, faith, sleep, I believe one of the reasons God wired us to sleep is it requires us to, to trust him. When we're the, you're, you are never more vulnerable than when you're asleep. Think about that, how vulnerable you are. I mean, you're asleep, you're powerless. You're, you're rested. In that space, I want you to know what's going on over your sleep. Day and night, they never stop worshiping. Worship is covering your sleep. Worship is covering your home. The presence of God covers my house when I'm asleep. The presence of God covers my house when I am awake. It is the presence of God that I find the greatest amount of strength and faith to do the fight that I'm called to fight. I cannot fight without worship. You cannot win the battles of your life if you don't first choose to worship. Worship is a powerful weapon. Worship gives us the ability to sing about the morning while living at midnight. Worship gives us a prophetic imagination. It's not that all things are right. I prophesy over things that God is good and God's gonna correct all this and God is in charge of this. That's what worship does for my soul and for yours. Worship is our weapon. Here's a second powerful weapon. Our prayers are our weapons. I'm gonna show this to you, okay? I, 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 don't, I, I preached this before a few years ago. It was during COVID and I, you probably don't remember it. I remember it. Revelation chapter 8. Now, we just were in Revelation 4. Now go to Revelation chapter 8, verse 1. He says, when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. Can we, no, stop here. Underline that. That is extremely important. He says, when I opened this particular seal, all of heaven went silent, quiet, for half an hour. I don't know if you've ever sat in complete silence for a half an hour. It feels like three hours. It's a long time. If you can get to five minutes, you're doing well. Half an hour, all of heaven went quiet. And it says, and I saw the seven angels who stand before God. Seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. And he was given much incense to offer with the prayers, listen to this, with the prayers of all God's people. I mean, the reason I call you into prayer meetings, the reason I'm calling you to a lifestyle of prayer is your prayers matter. Do you see you seeing this today? It's not one or two people's prayers. Listen to what he says. The prayers of a few select professional prayers. That's not what he says. The prayers of all God's people. 
your prayers, my prayers, our collective prayers rise into heaven. And it says on the golden altar in front of the throne. In other words, God has your prayers in front of him. You need to hear this. Some of you are, prayer's hard work and you can get discouraged and stop praying. I know how that feels to feel like your prayers aren't being answered. This is, this is why this particular passage is so important. Your prayers, even your messy ones, the ones that didn't make sense to you or probably to God when he heard them, but they, really, they were honest prayers though. They were sincere prayers. Your prayers are in front of God right now and he's about to do something with your prayers. This is why, this, listen to this passage, okay? So your prayers come up before God from the angel's hand. He says, then the angel took the censer and what? He filled it with fire from the altar and hurled it back to the earth. Now, and there came pills of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. I don't know about you, but that's an answer to prayer. Your prayers rise up, they come before God, all of heaven goes quiet. Why did heaven go quiet? to hear your prayers. Why was there 30 minutes of silence in heaven? Because the saints were praying and those prayers were important. Let's listen to the prayers of God's people rise up toward us. Then he took them and he hurled them back. Listen, the Christians that, that John was writing to here were a ragtag bunch. These Christians had no right to vote. They had no physical weapons to defend themselves. Yet they did not panic and run. Why? Because they knew how to pray. And John was saying, listen, I know you are politically insolvent right now. You have no political power. And great military forces have overtaken you and you're not able to defend yourself. You're at the most vulnerable place you could possibly be right now. But I have good news for you, saints of God in the first century. John was writing to saints in the first century around the Mediterranean islands. And he says, listen, I've got good news for you. Your prayers, all of heaven went quiet when you begin to pray. Your prayers come before a holy God. Those prayers were collected and they were hurled back to the earth. In fact, <clears throat> here's what I want you to never forget. The distinctive feature of Christian prayer is the certainty of being heard. So let me ask you a question. If all of your prayers are heard, then all of your prayers are important. Do you believe that every time you pray that a holy God and a holy heaven is hearing your prayers? And do you believe that a holy God and a holy heaven hears your prayers and responds to your prayers? Yes. Listen to this. It says the smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people went up before from the angel's hands and it took them and it sent them back down in flashes of lightning and earthquakes. The prayers which had ascended into heaven return to the earth with great force. In other words, heaven launches a prayer bomb on your behalf. This is how powerful. You can't always see it. You can't always feel it. But the prayers of God's people come back in a holy power. It comes back to us. You know, they rise up day and night. The prayers rise up. God hears them and God responds with great authority on your behalf. This, this, is, this was such an encouraging letter to the first century Christians living in the world that John was writing to. Can you imagine how discouraged they were? Their pastor, their leader was exiled. 
Rome was at its greatest power. Bloodshed and violence was happening. People were losing their lives because of Christianity. They were being martyred every day, slain in the, in the Colosseums, eaten by lions. Can you imagine how discouraged they were? And John says, listen, don't give up hope. Don't be discouraged. The great God in heaven is hearing your prayers. Let me ask you a question. You know, you know what history taught us about that time. 200 years later, Rome declared that Christianity was its state religion. They went from killing Christians to being Christians. Why? Because it took 200 years of prayers. But 200 years of prayers came back to the earth with the full force of heaven. All right, here's the last one, okay? So worship is your weapon. Your prayers are your weapon. But here's the one I think we there's a third one that's actually really powerful that I think we may have forgotten about. Our love is our weapon. All right, let me take you back for a moment. I've never seen this. This week was the first time, and I've been preaching now for 27 years. I've never seen this in the Bible until this week. Someone share with you the freshest revelation I've gotten in a long time. Nehemiah said, do work with one hand, put a weapon in the other. Do you remember that one we just read? I'm going to read to you 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Pay attention to this, okay? It's a, it's a lot of scripture, but stay with me. Verse 3. We put no obstacle in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found with our, our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, listen to this, by great endurance and afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, and hunger. Does anybody want to sign up for any of this, by the way? We got a, we got a sign up sheet in the back if any of y'all want to sign up for that kind of life. <laughs> we got a small group dedicated just to that. But this is the world that we're living in. And it says, listen to it, it says, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech, and the power of God. Now listen to this next one. This is the one you need to underline, okay? With the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. Now read that out. For weapons for both hands. Through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we're treated as imposters and yet are true. As unknown yet well known. As dying and behold we live. As punished yet not killed. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing, listen to this, yet possessing everything. That is the life of following Jesus faithfully. That's what it looks like, what I just read to you. That's what it looks like to follow Jesus. That's what the world needs to see. That's the kind of Jesus followers that change the world. Listen to this. Nehemiah had a limited view of God. And the reason Nehemiah had a limited view of God is because he didn't have Jesus. Nehemiah, actually, we have more weapons than Nehemiah ever thought about having because we have Jesus. We now have weapons for both hands to do the work that God's called us to. Nehemiah had a few weapons. We have weapons with both hands. In other words, both hands right now are full of very effective weapons for the right hand and the left hand. You have worship that Nehemiah only dreamed about. 
You have Holy Spirit-powered prayer that Nehemiah knew very little about. And the love of a persecuted, crucified Christ who went to the cross and then went to a tomb and was resurrected radically revolutionized the way we do spiritual battle now. The greatest fight has already been won. The fight for your salvation has been won. The fight for your forgiveness has been won. All the shame and the guilt and the embarrassment of our sins has already been taken upon the cross. Christ took all of that and overcame all of that so that when we now go into the battle, the greatest fight has already been won and he's given you handfuls of weapons to do the work. Yesterday in the spiritual battle that I found myself, I found myself worshiping, I found myself praying, I found myself loving. And we, we, this fight that we're in, we're gonna win it. And I felt a great release come over me yesterday because I knew that my weapons are effective. They're not carnal, they are powerful for the pulling down of strongholds. Would you stand with me this morning, stand up with me this morning. I want to pray over you, for you, with you. I want to join my prayers with your prayers. And here's what I, I want to do this morning. I just felt it's a little different than what we do in the morning. We're going to come to the Lord's table in just a moment, in a moment, and the worship team's going to lead us in a song. In fact, the song is, is day and night, night and day. Let incense arise. You're worthy of it all. It's right out of the book of Revelation. And we're going to sing that out loud together. Before we do, I want, you to, I want you to think about the greatest fight that you're in right now. Maybe you're, maybe what you would, you're in a minor skirmish. That's great. I hope that that's true for most of you. But some of you are in a fight. Some of you are in a battle. And I want you just to worship. Then I want you to pray about it. I want you to leave it before the Lord this morning. And then I want you this morning to say, Father, would you fill me with love? your love, the kind of love that changes people. I'm not talking about sentimental, squishy love that we sing about. I'm talking about powerful, radical, revolutionary love that changes the world. Love your enemies kind of love. Do good to those who persecute you kind of love. That's the kind of Jesus love that changes people. So whatever it is this morning, would you just turn your hands like this? If you're in a fight, if you're in a battle for your marriage, a battle for your health, if you're in a battle for your finances, maybe you're in a battle for your children or grandchildren. You're in a battle for your business. We're in a fight. We're in a battle. Just turn your hands toward the Lord. Say, Lord, I worship you. I'm in this fight. I'm in this battle. But I, in this time of testing, I choose to turn my hands toward heaven and join in with the creatures that are encircling your throne right now. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty who was and is and is to come. Come on, say that out loud with me. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty who was and is and is to come. Now I want you to pray about it. Just say, Father in heaven, pray over it. Father in heaven, I pray for my friend who's going through a great fight right now. I pray for him. And yesterday I saw that fight in him and I pray that you would give him the strength to do the war, to do the battle, to do the fighting that he needs to do. Strengthen him, cover him, bless him. The 
Lord, we thank you today that we're gonna do all this within the, the immeasurable grace and the love that pours out from you to us. And we receive it today. We lay aside our anger and our bitterness, our unforgiveness. And I pray, Lord, that you would wash over us today with a love, a tenderness, a kindness that's radical and revolutionary. And we pray this now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Just keep your hands right, right where they are. Keep your heart turned towards the Lord. Let's worship the Lord together. And in just a few minutes, Pastor Brad is going to come and lead us to the table of the Lord.
Grab your elements as we get ready to receive from the Lord this morning. Psalm 23 reminds us that the Lord prepares a table for us. Where? In the presence of our enemies. In the midst of our fight. In the midst of the battle and the struggle. The Lord says, come. Sit at my table and receive from me. And be reminded that I am king that loves you, but I'm also the king that conquered, that won the ultimate battle, as Brady said, for your salvation. That's already taken care of. And so today we come to the table to receive strength from the Lord, that he gave his very self, his very life for us. John 15, three says, greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for your friends. And then the next verse that we forget, Jesus says, and I call you, I consider you my friends. The Lord has laid down his life for us that we may have fullness of life because of him. On the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and when he had broken it, gave thanks. He said, this is my body just for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. Then he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you do it, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup together. Let's sing, church. Let's celebrate what the Lord has done today. morning we've had together. Can you imagine going into battle 
without any, anything in your hand. And today the, the Lord reminded us through Brady that we have prayer and worship and love as our weapons for warfare and they're strong and mighty. As we get ready to go, um, I just have a couple things that you need to know. First, sections three, four, and five. Today you have your section party. So if you came hungry, good news is there's stuff to eat. So also, um, Connect Central, right out these doors to your left. If you're new to new life, in the last little bit, we'd love to connect with you, talk about your next steps of getting plugged in to our church. Also, our prayer team is coming forward right now. If you have a prayer need, we would love to spend a few minutes with you praying. Church, will you open your hands? I want to bless you as we leave New Life Church. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he turn his countenance towards you and grant you peace as you go. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and the people of God together said, amen. See you guys soon. Have a great week.